I'm Jim Pullen. And I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the show that makes you smarter. Today is Tuesday, July 23rd, 2013. Coming up, we hear about an unusual way to treat a deadly intestinal infection. I said, I'm broken. I said, if you can't do the fecal transplant, I'll find someone who can. I said, I'm broken. We begin with a look at some of the recent news in science. Researchers at the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory near Crested Butte have made a troubling discovery. Remove even one bumblebee species from an ecosystem, and the impact is swift and clear. The favored flowered species of that missing bumblebee will produce significantly fewer seeds, a new study finds. The study, to be published by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, focused on the interactions between bumblebees and larkspur wildflowers in Colorado's Rocky Mountains. The results show that simply taking out one wild bumblebee species reduces competition among pollinators so much some flowers produce one-third fewer flower seeds than normal. Emory University ecologist Barry Brosey led the study. He calls the findings alarming. After all, about 90% of plants need animals, mostly insects, to transfer pollen between them so that they can fertilize and reproduce. Bees are by far the most important pollinators worldwide and have co-evolved with the floral resources they need for nutrition. Bumblebees and wildflowers are charming to study, but sometimes science needs to study the less savory members of the insect community. And that's what scientists in Fort Collins have just done to solve a strange case of fever back in Missouri. The mystery started in 2009 when two men from northwestern Missouri grew so sick they were hospitalized. They have since recovered. The virus that made them ill has been identified as something new, and it's been named the Heartland virus. As for how they got it, since the area the men live in is infested by ticks, Researchers guessed that the virus came from a tick bite. To test this idea, the Centers for Disease Control recruited a research entomologist from their offices in Fort Collins. His name is Harry Savage. We work on diseases transmitted by arthropods, Lyme disease, plague, which is transmitted by fleas, Lyme disease, of course, ticks, and then West Nile and other mosquito-borne diseases. Savage says that the men who got sick with the virus gave them a clue about where it might be from, since one of those men confessed that he often has dozens of tick bites. The ticks in that part of Missouri can be incredibly abundant, and if you don't take precautions, you can easily get lots of ticks on you. Actually, one time uh, he had so many on his shirt, he didn't know whether he was going to burn it or, or throw it over a barbed wire fence and leave it overnight. To test whether the ticks were the carrier of this new virus, Savage joined a team in Missouri collecting ticks. He says they took special precautions to keep ticks off by wearing insecticides, taping their trousers to their boots, and taking showers every night. In the end, the team collected over 50,000 ticks. They discovered that Lone Star ticks could carry the virus, in particular the youngest, tiniest ticks. One out of every 500 of these ticks carried the virus. To prevent heartland virus and other disease spread by ticks, the Centers for Disease Control recommends taking the following steps. Wear repellent, check for ticks daily, shower soon after being outdoors, call your doctor if you get a fever or rash. 
You're, ten, you're tuned into How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. I'm Jim Pullen. I'm Shelley Schlender. The story you're about to hear has a very high yuck factor. That's because it involves taking a donation of feces, that means poop, from one person, mixing it with water, and then putting those feces into the intestinal tract of someone else. This is a real procedure done by medical doctors. The FDA tried to block the procedure just this spring, but so many people demanded that they allow it that just last month they lifted the ban. Fecal transplants solve a real need. You see, a fecal transplant is the most effective treatment out there for combating a growing disease threat known as C. diff colitis. C. diff is an intestinal infection caused largely by our widespread use of antibiotics. Antibiotics can kill off good bugs in a person's gut, leaving the bad bugs to run wild. One of the worst bad bugs of all is C. difficile. Hundreds of thousands of people in the U.S. get this infection every year. C. diff can kill and does kill thousands of patients a year in our country. The estimate I saw recently was 14,000 per year. That's Dr. Steve Freeman. He's a gastroenterologist at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center in Aurora. Two years ago, he became the first doctor in our region to start doing fecal transplants to treat C. diff colitis. Since then, he's done about two dozen. He did them before the Federal Food and Drug Administration put a halt to the procedures earlier this spring, largely due to an uneasiness about something of such a high yuck factor. Here's CU Denver GI doctor Steve Freeman. Uh, the yuck factor is, has always been a very big drawback to this therapy, but once the efficacy became obvious, it became less of a problem. For me personally, that, that was true. Even last spring, when the FDA halted these procedures, it was well known among the handful of doctors nationwide who are doing this that the procedure is effective. Freeman says fecal microbial transplants have also been used and studied in Europe with extremely good results. Well, I know in Europe they're doing it fairly frequently. There's, there's one recent good randomized study from Europe that was quite impressive. Published in the New England Journal recently was discontinued early because the difference between the transplants and the standard drug therapies and other non-transplant therapies were so different that the reviewers of that study felt it was unethical to continue the study and it was stopped early. Meaning that they thought that it was so disgusting to do fecal transplants they stopped them or something else? No, the transplant patients were doing so much better than the patients treated with antibiotics, for instance, that it was unethical not to give the transplants to all the patients. So they stopped the study early. We'll explain how a fecal transplant is done in just a bit. But first, some more history. Dr. Freeman knows he's actually not the first doctor in our region to do these procedures. Back in the 1950s, another doctor in Denver became the first physician in the United States to be documented to save lives using this treatment method. Dr. Ben Eisman and three of his other colleagues at the Denver VA Hospital in Denver Health had very ill patients with pseudomembranous colitis that they'd recently operated on but were dying of their infection that they contracted. They adapted a veterinarian approach to the, trying to save their patients by 
reintroducing normal fecal flora into the colons of these patients with the sick colons, hoping that, like in animals, uh, they would improve. And sure enough, they dramatically improved. All four survived and left the hospital actually fairly quickly, even though they'd been in the intensive care unit and not too far from dying just days earlier. So it was pretty dramatic. It was in 1958 here in Denver that that first published experience with these fecal transplants was done. Dr. Eisman learned how to do these procedures based on what animal doctors have been doing for generations and still do today. It's the transfusion of digestive tract microbes from a healthy animal into a sick animal in order to save its life. This is actually a common procedure at the Colorado State University Veterinary Hospital. It's so common There's a black-and-white cow named Hershey who has been fitted with a dinner-plate-sized plastic portal over her stomach. The portal comes complete with a round door and a latch so that animal doctors can reach right inside and harvest a bucket of gut microbes. I'm Dr. Rob Callen, and I work here at the CSU Veterinary Teaching Hospital. We often get asked the question of whether or not a rumen cannula hurts when we place it on into this animal. And so as a surgical procedure, yeah, during the surgery, we provide anesthesia so that um, there's no pain when we cut through the tissues. After it's in and it's healed, there's really no difference in their sensation than just normal skin. So while you can touch them, they don't feel it any more than they do with just normal skin. So no, it doesn't hurt. They open the portal door, and there inside of Hershey, you can see what's in her stomach. It looks like a huge bag of very wet grass clippings. It's probably hay. It smells stinky, like very old wet grass clippings, thanks to the microbes that are breaking them down and digesting them. Whenever ruminants get sick, the protozoa and the bacteria in the rumen can die off. When we replace it, That'll help restore them back to a normal status so that they regain appetite and eat again. While Hershey calmly stands there watching us, the vets put a tube into this mass of grass clippings and siphon off microbial-rich, greenish-yellow stomach juice. How much do you want? That's flavor, about a pint of juice. That's good. If you've ever smelled a very expensive blue cheese, this juice smells even stinkier. We really want that normal colonized flora that they have that is undisturbed, and we're going to try and transfer that to the patient that needs that. Rob Callen says that juice has saved many lives, thanks to Hershey. We probably bring her in twice a week to provide room and fluid for treating our patients. She's been here eight years. That's got to be close to at least 800 patients, I suppose. In adult cows, veterinarians transplant the special liquid into sick cows through a nose tube. But in calves that are sick... Many times the calves that are still nursing milk, they'll go ahead and nurse the rumen fluid transphenate straight out of a, uh, out of a nursing bottle. That's what Callan does next. For a pretty white calf, it's recovering from pneumonia. It's on antibiotics, but it also needs these stomach microbes in order to stay alive. So one of the parts of the treatment for this calf was actually to go ahead and transphenate with some of this rumen fluid to help reestablish the normal GI flora as we move out and treat the other abnormal GI flora or the abnormal Clostridium perfringens. In the horse barn nearby, similar procedures are taking place, including with a brown horse with a black mane and tail named Dune. 
A vet scientist, Jennifer Gold, is trying to demonstrate just how to use a nose tube yep, on Doom. <sighs> stomach juices filled with microbes can save the life of a horse. But if the stomach juice is not handy, she says that better than yogurt is something more basic, horse poop, also known as manure. So I've transplanted horses with horse species. What you try to do if you have a horse that has very bad diarrhea, then you actually get a healthy horse's feces, you turn it into a mush, and basically so you can pump it through, and you're transplanting them, you hope, with normal flora versus abnormal flora. With all this talk about feces and basically animals eating it, you might wonder how often these microbial transplants into big animals backfire. These vet scientists say they've never seen it do any harm. Now, it's clear that some microbes and feces can be deadly. Cholera, dysentery, E. coli are all microbes that can be in feces, and tiny amounts on unwashed hands have been known to infect a salad, for instance, or juice, and kill people. But what about the other extreme, where our environment becomes so clean and where we've used antibiotics to kill so many bugs, it kills off the beneficial microbes, and that kills us? There's growing evidence among science researchers that a lack of healthy microbes inside our guts might contribute to everything from allergies to depression to deadly diseases such as C. diff colitis. And more people, just like you and me, are more aware of this. In fact, at CU Health Sciences in Aurora, the reason that Dr. David Freeman became the first doctor in our region to do a stool transplant is because a patient asked him to do it. I'm Charmaine Cecil. I had uh, C. diff colitis for a year and a half. Charmaine is an elegant woman who lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Charmaine's first attack of C. diff colitis landed her in the emergency room. I just woke in the middle of the night with this horrible bowel movement, extreme pain, and bloody stool. To stop the terrible pain, Charmaine says she willingly took the antibiotics her gastrointestinal doctors recommended. The pills were one of the most powerful antibiotics known to man, vancomycin. The pills were supposed to kill off the C. diff infection that had overtaken the lower part of her intestines, an area known as the colon. They were supposed to work, but a few weeks after taking her last vancomycin pill, Charmaine's C. diff came back in a new form that wasn't as painful, but it was still terrible. Diarrhea. I mean, it's, you know, like every 15 minutes. It's, it's really bad. You just can't stop going. She tried the vancomycin pills again and tapered off of them more slowly. The C. diff symptoms came back once again. And let me tell you, that vancomycin... One pill costs $65. So it's very expensive to be taking vancomycin to get rid of this in the first place. And then when you take it and it doesn't help, C. diff is very uh, troublesome because it leaves little spores in your, in your colon and they attach to your colon. And so you get rid of those that are active with the vancomycin, but all of a sudden these that are attached to your you know, these little spores come to life, and now you have to get rid of those. And so in getting rid of those, you're getting rid of the good bacteria, too. And I just could not overcome it. Charmaine tried getting good bugs back into her intestinal tract by eating foods that are famous for having live cultures of friendly bacteria, foods like yogurt. And I'll tell you, I took a probiotic along with this. 
And if you ever see probiotic in the store and how many good biotic, you know, good, uh, good bacteria that you receive from one dose is like maybe 40,000 or something. I was taking probiotic that put two and a quarter billion good bacteria in my colon, and I still could not rid myself of it. Charmaine was desperate, so she contacted the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center in Aurora and talked with gastroenterologist Dee Freeman about something that she'd heard would cure C. diff colitis. That's the fecal transplant. It's where you take stool from a healthy person and put it in the colon of someone who is sick. Yes, it has a very high yuck factor. Two years ago, when he first met Charmaine, Dr. Freeman had not done any of these fecal transplant procedures. He was uncertain how to proceed. So here's what Charmaine told Freeman. I said, I'm broken. I said, if you can't do the fecal transplant, I'll find someone who can. To get ready to do the fecal transplants, Dr. Freeman studied how they're done around the United States. He followed a protocol for making sure that the donor of the stool would be someone who's free of disease. They're screened with cultures of their stool to look for C. diff and other enteric pathogens and parasites. And they're screened with blood tests to check for infectious diseases that might be spread this way, theoretically, such as hepatitis, HIV, and uh, syphilis. All this was done for Charmaine. Her donor was her husband. She still remembers the day that they actually did the first fecal transplant there in Denver. There were 14 people in that um, room, and many of them other doctors. And as they came to the door and saying, well, uh, just a little more time, we're preparing everything, I could see the excitement on their face. You know, they were all excited about having this procedure done, you know, and being able to be a part of it by being there in the room and seeing how it was done and how it turned out. She said they did it through a fairly simple procedure that's done all the time, a colonoscopy. That's where they stick a tube in someone's rectum to look up through the colon for any problems such as cancer. But this time, in addition to just looking, they included an infusion of microbes. To me, as the patient, it was nothing more than a colonoscopy. You know, and I've not had any problems since. It just took care of it. It just was wonderful. And it's such a simple procedure. I mean, I've had colonoscopies before, and this is what it is. They put healthy feces into your colon. That's the thing that did it. It was, it was um, just, you know, so simple, such a simple thing to get rid of something so horrible. Since that fecal transplant over a year and a half ago, Charmaine has been well. Dr. Freeman, since then, he's seen it work in many other patients. Transplants tend to be successful 80 to 95% of the time, whereas once a person has relapsed on vancomycin for two times or more, the likelihood of future success with that antibiotic drops considerably each time it fails to work. So uh, the success after relapse a couple of times tends to be less than 50%, sometimes quite a bit less than 50%. Have you ever had someone who was sicker after having a stool transplant than they were before they had it? No, I have not. I, it seems to be, and nor has it been reported that there's any complications or 
illnesses caused by these kind of transplants, to my knowledge. You uh, mean in, in all of the United States, among all of you medical doctors who are doing this, you have not heard of anybody getting sicker after having a fecal transplant? I have not, uh, and, and nor has it been reported to my knowledge. What's that like to see somebody actually be cured by something? Well, it's quite uh, gratifying, actually, and the patients are quite anxious about this, desperate to get well and get, get rid of this problem, and to have them be well and not need any further treatment within a days of the treatment is really quite gratifying. While the FDA last spring put a hold on fecal transplants and made complicated procedures that doctors had to follow in order to apply to have a patient do them, so many people raised an outcry and said this procedure is important that last month the FDA lifted its ban against fecal transplants. Dr. Freeman says that he plans to do many more, and he suspects that someday in the future we'll find out that this kind of focus on getting the gut microbe healthy may help with a lot of different diseases. For How on Earth, I'm Shelley Schlender. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. This week's show was produced by me. Executive producer is Susan Moran. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Raymond Scott. Visit our website, howonearthradio.org, to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Jim Pullen. And I'm Shelley Schlender.